Good morning and welcome to episode 12 of Walk to Work, where I'm actually literally walking on a sunny, a very sunny day in Edinburgh to work. Uh, to talk to you today, I want to talk about French folk dancing um, and uh, some to the uh, aesthetical or philosophical approaches that people have to French folk dancing, often without even realizing it, and um, that I find quite uh, interesting. So, uh, in most kind of uh, French folk dancing is uh, a revivalist practice, so it's something that um, died out in its uh, naturally uh, occurring environment, as it were. Uh, that kind of suggests it ever did have a naturally occurring environment, uh, which is also kind of uh, difficult to, to, to claim. But I won't go into that too much. Uh, and people were like, we should continue doing this. So they created an environment in which we can continue doing it. Uh, and so this is similar to uh, Lindy Hop, similar in a certain sense to Tango to a certain extent, uh, similar even in a certain sense to... Um, uh, the Welsh language, or even uh, Irish traditional music, uh, which, for example, had mostly died out in Ireland, uh, but was continued in the States, uh, and then was kind of brought back from the States um, uh, during the during the 20th century, uh, and probably hadn't completely died out, but was kind of very much a minority, becoming a minority thing. Um, uh, so that's uh, revivalist uh, generally means that uh, although a thing might appear to be quite alive and healthy, um, it no longer uh, occurs in the um, conditions that gave birth to it. And so it means that the conditions for it to continue to stay alive uh, and evolve, um, if evolution makes sense in this context, uh, are different. Uh, what else is it? Uh, it's um, in various parts of France. France is a pretty big country uh, and a lot of areas are quite uh, uh, difficult to get from one to another too. So there was always a lot of migration, a lot of conscription because of wars, uh, but um, a lot of parts of France have uh, very specific dances and musics. There's a fairly different uh, from those that are maybe 50 miles away or 100 miles away, uh, although then they'll stay kind of similar, um, and then very similar, similar again to those that are um, 500 miles away. Uh, and in um, what's called Balfolk, or sometimes called Eurobal, or French Cayley, or European Cayley, um, we get a variety of dances from a variety of time periods uh, from a variety of regions and also countries uh, outside of France. So like uh, Swedish Polska uh, makes um, a fairly frequent appearance, although I mean Sweden has hundreds, thousands maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, lots of different kinds of Polskas and we tend to just dance the Polska. And the same way, kind of France has at least uh, four different bourrées that are completely different aesthetically, uh, and we tend to just dance uh, a bourrée. Uh, that's just uh, on the three-time bourrée, not even counting the two-time bourrée, 
which also similarly uh, have the aesthetic similarities and differences. Um, anywho, yes, whole variety of things mishmashed together that weren't mishmashed together uh, originally. Uh, revivalist, um, like many uh, kind of revivalist dance practices, uh, the people who practice them now are kind of uh, teachers and computer scientists, um, people uh, who uh, are reasonably comfortable uh, or have a reasonably steady safety net that allows them uh, to do kind of pastimes that are looked at as frivolous. And um, this also allows them to do pastimes that are outside of the mainstream. So often... Uh, uh, kind of oppressed people, minorities, uh, either do pastimes of their own uh, kind of culture because they want to reconnect with people who are, are from the same culture as them or try to fit into mainstream culture uh, to prove that they fit in. So that's also one of the differences. Anywho, um, and often in all these, especially kind of revivalist practices uh, or even very recent revivalist practices, uh, so sort of uh, no, I won't go into that. Uh, you get um, this sort of opposition between uh, traditionalist people and progressive people. Uh, and it's a little bit of an illusion, uh, because it usually turns out that uh, traditionalist people aren't quite as traditionalist as they claim to be, uh, or as other people ascribe to them. Uh, and progressive people have pretty uh, conservative streaks uh, as well with regard to certain things. Um, and so that's, but it's a, it's a, it's an easy story to tell about other people. Oh, that person doesn't like it if it isn't traditional blues, and uh, uh, oh, that person would very happily dance blues to any music because they don't care about blues culture, uh, or something. Not quite sure how how those things would be framed. Um, and often uh, it's sort of seen that uh, the kind of more progressive, liberal or libertarian. I like, don't tell me what to do. Uh, my personal expression is paramount. Um, uh, everything is a fusion of everything. Um, and so the kind of from their perspective, um, it's kind of a freedom thing. Oh yeah, that was talking like some episodes ago about the five colors of magic. This is like a uh, typical um, white versus red. Uh, kind of order versus chaos, or framed the other way, freedom versus restriction. Um, yes, and then the the conservative streak. Um, often people uh, have that sort of conservative streak and um, nourish it from some fundamental. Um, intrinsic correctness of the thing. Oh, well, you've got to do the thing, otherwise it isn't the thing now, is it? Um, and it's kind of uh, also that willpower to beat people over the head with the thing uh, and uh, kind of the desire to, to control what other people do uh, because if people started doing whatever they want, well, where would it all end? Um, and that's, that's definitely... Uh, a kind of story that we tell ourselves about communities. Uh, it's a story that folk people tell them, uh, people in Balfour world tell themselves about their communities as well. Um, but it doesn't really um, tell the whole story. Uh, and I have a, another um, 
So the two, the, the two aesthetics I want to describe also don't tell the whole story, but I think they come a little bit closer. So one of them, uh, people I know call them trad and folk, which doesn't really make any sense because then you'd go looking, well, what is the definition of folk and what is the definition of trad, and you'd get very confused because it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, broadly, um, they're almost orthogonal, so you can be completely trad and completely folk, very few people are, but you could be, I think, um, <clears throat> rather than two ends of a spectrum. So you can be folk or not folk, and you can be trad or not trad, maybe. Uh, I think you have to be some amount of one or the other, because otherwise, why do you even do the thing? Uh, trad is when you're interested in culture. Um, these dances and musics come from somewhere. Uh, there was a culture that gave them birth. And the, 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 the fundamental incredible thing is the richness uh, of that culture. We kind of think of uh, folk things uh, as being sort of quaint melodies with very little harmonic interest. Uh, and the thing is that the, the melodic and rhythmic interest... So one, key, one example is uh, Yevan Polka, which many people have heard on the internet. There was this meme about ten years ago uh, with some weird uh, leak twirling thing and it's um dun 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 bam 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 dun dun and you can play it very sort of this is uh, a boring silly little melody and you can play it faster and you can add some percussion to it uh, and it kind of becomes sort of more modern, but still stays like a silly ditty. Um, whereas if you uh, use the, 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 the stretch and compression in the rhythm and recognize uh, the melodic and rhythmic rightness of the thing to go together, uh, and you add kind of the idea of phrasing and don't worry too much about sort of percussion and harmony uh, and metronomes, you get... And because you're phrasing it, you get something that's suddenly rolling. As I'm walking along, I'm kind of skipping along because it's a polka, and that's the the movement that polka makes you want to do. Um, and, and so the, the, the richness of this culture is to have created music that is fabulously intricate, that is really, really difficult to play well. Not technically, uh, like the, 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 the technically on an instrument it's easy, but to get uh, this uh, rhythm... The, the way that this music uh, nourishes movement, whether it's walking to a wedding movement, whether it's working in the fields movement, uh, whether it's uh, dancing movement, um, there's a very specific kind of movement um, that goes with it. And there's a very specific kind of range of ways of playing the music that allows for infinite variation within your nourishing the movement. You're nourishing the movement that this music is supposed to have. And then along with that, it goes with these were literal people, like the people who went out in the 70s uh, and earlier and later 
to go um, find musicians and dancers who were still who still knew these dances. They met people, and these were uh, relationships that they nourished their whole the, their whole lives. And a few of these people, very few of them, are still alive. Um, they went, and they were so happy that people were excited about the things that they had to say that you had to keep coming back and seeing them and like keeping up with them, and they became friends. It's very difficult then to kind of there's a sentimentalism but there's also just a natural human connection it's very difficult to um, know what usage of that information feels respectful versus disrespectful and then you hear recordings that other people made and you also have that same kind of what is respectful what isn't respectful uh, regardless what you come up with an answer to that the the question uh, is very definitely there um, and so this is uh, this, uh, yeah. These people, uh, the people who espouse uh, this trad view, want to make music from a place, uh, and they don't necessarily want to recreate the music that the people were making. They want to make music of the 21st century from that place, but they still want it to sound like it's from that place. And the question is, like, what would it sound like? Uh, what does it sound like to me? What do I want to make it sound like? Um, in a way that, that keeps it. And because a lot of people, uh, kind of, it was their parents uh, that went out recording and created organizations uh, and created um, bands, they grew up listening to this stuff. And so they have this sort of mixture of listening to old recordings, listening to new recordings, and there's a point to which. Uh, anything they play is going to be informed and nourished by this and then plus the desire of staying informed and nourished yes uh, folk so the folk revival um, in France it came in the in kind of the 70s uh, wanting to be inspired from things that are happening in the States things that are happening in the UK um, and it was kind of a let's reject mainstream culture go out into the countrysides, raise cattle and crops uh, and play the music that our ancestors played in a very stereotypical kind of way. Um, and what they, they were interested in is you can do all these sort of simple, quaint... You can reject uh, some of the advances of modern civilization uh, and you can also reject uh, a capitalist model. Uh, and so this... Uh, um, whole, all, and also obviously uh, in that period you can reject war, you can reject the Cold War uh, and in that period uh, and so it's a very um, community social based project uh, and the dancing, it's really important that the dancing be simple in square quotes because we want it to be accessible to everybody uh, it's really important that the music be simple because we want everyone to be able to pick up an instrument and play and if they're playing out of tune, eh, it's fine. And if they're dancing out of rhythm, eh, it's fine. Uh, up to, uh, so long as it works, it's fine. Um, and this has kind of continued today and that people really feel um, welcomed by this culture in ways that they sometimes don't feel welcomed uh, by mainstream culture. How many minutes in am I to this? There's a lot of cars suddenly. Oh. I have a few more minutes.
Um, so what I was what I was feeling about this is that, uh, and so nowadays, can more folk people um, range a very wide spectrum from kind of the older folk people who are very willing uh, to play kind of sort of fuddy-duddy traditional music uh, in a way that's not actually traditional at all, uh, but because they've been participating in this community for like 30 or 40 years, and these are the established practices, they feel like it's traditional. Um, and it's kind of odd because you're like, well, there are no recordings of people doing anything like this ever. Uh, but you have this, and so you kind of become conservative about it because you're like, well, I've done this for 40 years. I want people to continue doing this. Don't go coming along with your newfangled crap. Or you're uh, actually playing good accordion music with chords and uh, interesting bass lines. Um, and so it tends to be... Uh, there's an inclusiveness that kind of borders on mediocrity that I have a lot of trouble with uh, on some days. In the same way that in the trad world there's um, uh, a search for quality and good music uh, that sometimes borders on exclusivity or elitism. And those are, those are kind of challenging um, things to navigate seeing as none of them are actually compulsory to the, to, to the actual thing. It's really interesting because if you go to a big festival, so Gentine, Belle de l'Europe is one of the biggest festivals. A lot of the trad type people don't go because it's the, the format is you dance on 10 different dance floors uh, all night to various bands. Uh, and the bands are usually good quality music, but um, variety is kind of what's espoused. So you're going to have music from Sweden, you're going to have music from France, you're going to have music, uh, you're going to have about a third of it probably is music from nowhere. And this music from nowhere thing is kind of, this is Balfour music. We play a mixture of stuff from all over the place. Um, there's a band that plays uh, a lot of uh, medleys uh, from pop culture. Uh, there's another band that um, plays a lot of slow, cuddly dance stuff. Uh, and that's all things that, that there's a definite audience for. Uh, and so it's very much part of this modern Balfour world, but it's, it has relatively few ties to the past and relatively few ties also to what other people are doing except the names of the dancers are the same. And that's the, the fundamental weird thing is uh, because we have these names of dancers and Balfour has these dances in them uh, and it, the, the reasons for which it has certain dances and not certain other dances are really weird but basically the format is the musicians say we're going to play this dance and then the dancers who often don't really know how to dance a dance because the idea of doing more than a couple of hours to learn a dance is uh, uh, not anathema, but just not something a lot of people have done. It's like you know the dance or you don't know the dance, what more is there to do about it? Or the way that the trad teachers sell it, it's kind of, well, you come to this workshop every year and you get, don't get better at it. Uh, the reason is not because you're only practicing two hours a year. The reason is because it's practically impossible for someone from not native culture to get this, which uh, is its own form of bullshit. Um, it's also because the teachers uh, kind of have a vested interest in turning up year after year saying look I can do this and you can't and it's true there's a very small number uh, maybe one percent of people who also do the workshop year after year and increasingly get it uh, and they're absolutely beautiful to watch dancing and it's just weird how few people uh, that is uh, and it has something to do with the way that we teach it um, but also something to do with the way that people 
uh, approach it. Like it would be a fairly rare set of circumstances where you could practice something for two or three hours a year uh, in a classroom setting and then do it maybe for five or ten minutes uh, per evening for a whole week at a festival and then have any chance of getting anywhere near doing it. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So then, yeah, the, the, the folk people are really happy because you have a whole variety of things. Whatever your thing, you'll find people who are into your thing and you'll feel included. Uh, and there's a very sharing, uh, kind of peace and love, walking around barefoot kind of feeling to it. Um, and what's not to love about that? I mean, like, I'm a little bit cynical and critical of the folk perspective, but I'm a, a very big folky uh, deep down. Uh, this stuff... Uh, like, as long as I don't think about it too hard, I'm really excited. And then the, the people who are more from the trad side, they're like, ew, all this cuddling, ew, uh, all this music that comes from nowhere and has, like, it calls itself a bourré, but it has nothing to do with a bourré. Why are these people playing a thing that calls itself a bourré and has nothing to do with a bourré? A bourré is a type of dance, and so a type of music that goes with the dance. Um, and the people that are dancing a thing that kind of looks a little bit like a bourré, but also has nothing to do with a bourré. Uh, and it's really uh, weird and slightly uncomfortable uh, that this thing exists. And it's really strange because actually mostly instead of engaging with it, the trad people go, they're more often in the bands, they're more often drinking at the bar, they're more often in front of the stage watching and listening to amazing music to their friends than they are dancing, although they dance a little bit amongst themselves. They're less about... One of the bigger things is uh, they're more about you make friends at the bar and then once you have friends, you go dance with your friends. Whereas folk people are more, you make friends by dancing, and once you've met someone through dancing, then you strike up a conversation and go get a drink. Uh, and that's a kind of stereotype, but kind of, kind of rings true. And so at these big festivals, you'll get people who are there for such completely different reasons, uh, kind of confused at the other people's approach and feeling kind of not like they belong to the other people, but it's fine because they have a bunch of other people. Uh, and it's really easy to try to ascribe to it a kind of conservatism versus progressivism, but it's not. It's wanting to promote culture versus wanting to promote community. Uh, and I think that's a really interesting one for all uh, revivalist and diasporic uh, cultures, uh, like tango, like Lindy Hop, like blues. Uh, so yeah, have a think about it. I've been thinking about this for years and years, and um, I'm still kind of confused why French dance has this so much and has so much music that's kind of evolved and new but stays bal folk. Unlike, say, blues and fusion, where the fusion thing, people are like, this is not blues, let's stop calling it blues, let's just call it fusion, that's what it is. And now blues and fusion events are kind of separating and becoming different things, uh, even though there's a lot of crossover. And it's kind of strange that to some extent in France and beyond, uh, the Balfolk and the Baltrad, which some people are calling it, um, is kind of separated, but mostly overlaps a lot. Within most events, you'll have people of both ilks. Uh, and yeah, that's a kind of weird thing, but it's also a kind of wonderful thing. Uh, and maybe something to think about. If you have any thoughts, let me know, um, and I will... See you next time. Until then, take care.